0: around the lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. If at first you don't succeed, come back next year and try again. Aston Villa celebrates the pleasure of promotion to the Premier League. Oh, as soon as John Greenwich was made captain, the script was written. In lifting the Championship trophy, getting his boyhood club to the Premier League, he will always be Aston Villa. Hello and welcome back to the Gather Round the Lamp podcast. Firstly, we'd like to apologise for being a little absent in the last couple of weeks. We've been having some problems with myself and Mark's schedules meeting. But in this episode, we're going to talk about the latest game against Liverpool, the upcoming game against Manchester United, and a few opinions about the current state of Aston Villa, as well as much more. As always, I'm Regan. You can find me on Twitter at findfoy. And I'm joined by Mark.
1: Hey, what's going on, everybody? Good to be back. You can find me on Twitter at VillamarkPGH. Feels pretty pretty good to be back, Regan. What do you say, man?
0: Yeah, well, since we last did a podcast, results and, and performances haven't really helped Villa's case for avoiding the drop back into the championship. You know, a draw against Newcastle was a positive, but then, you know, losing against Wolves, uh, a possession-based bashing from Chelsea uh, was a pretty, pretty low point um, since Project Restart. But, you know... The, the latest game against Liverpool, villa really didn't look that out of their depth at all
1: i didn't think they looked out of their depth at all, especially in that first half. I thought Villa had more than enough chance to try and you know get a goal, even if it was going to be scrappy or if it was going to be something to wear. you know it was that odd odd goal we kind of saw against wolves or even I, I don't know it was just it, it seemed like the team was was up for it, and they had their chances, and they didn't take them and I feel like we've said that probably about thirty or forty times this season, but um yeah i I don't know it was it wasn't as bad as a lot of people were making it out to be against Liverpool, that's for sure
0: its yeah, especially as like going into the game, a lot of people thought you know we were going to take a hammer in um our goal difference would be much worse off, which would put us in worse stead for the the, the relegation battle ahead of us. But, you know, Villa looked more organised and motivated in, in the first 45 minutes, especially. Um, and the first 15 minutes of the game was, was super entertaining, I thought. You know, both sides edging forward in attack, but neither really managing to get a concrete chance from their attempts. Um, personally, I thought... El Garzi looked pretty lively down the right, and it was causing Robertson, who hasn't looked great since uh, Liverpool were crowned champions, I think he's still struggling with a bit of a hangover. Uh, he caused Robertson a couple of problems, and really, for, for large periods of the game until he was subbed off, El Garzi looked like a totally different player than we've seen in the last couple of games.
1: Yeah, I don't know what it was. I don't know if he was playing up because it was Liverpool, or I don't know if maybe someone got a word to him or he just decided to turn it on for the occasion. I'm I'm really not sure, but I was really happy with most parts of his game. Um, The – the only real like criticism I have against his game is like final final third it seems like when he has the ball out wide he doesn't know whether he should try to get to the line and cross it or if he should cut inside I would like a little bit more uh, definitive action uh, as, as far as like what, what he's going to do once he gets in those positions let's make sure you're following through with that don't let the ball just sit at your feet um, you know just just get the ball into the box or you know cut in and try to fashion a chance yourself uh, but I did think it was probably one of his better games we've seen since project restart and i actually want to say maybe one of those better games we've seen since 2020 um so yeah I I I like Anwar a lot I just I have the same opinion as as most people um that that support Villa that you just want to see more from him and want to see him at a more consistent rate I mean did did you did you think that this might be a something where we see El Ghazi you know start to be the player that we all wish and all you know know that he can be on 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 some days
0: (sighs) I think it comes down more to the level of opponent. You know, I think he's a big game player. He, he played really well against Derby. Um, and it, we've seen him perform well in big games. Like if you look back to last season uh, where he grabbed both the goals against West Brom uh, in the two-all draw, you know, that, that the hand of rod uh, fiasco that um, saw us walking away from, I think it was the Hawthorns at that point. Um, yeah, it was the Hawthorns that game. Uh, walking away from the Hawthor- Hawthorns with, with just a point rather than all three. Um, so, yeah, I do think he's a bit of a a big game player, which, which, you know, really should be every game in the Premier League. Every game is a big game, but, uh, you know, it holds us in good stead, especially with some of our big uh, fixtures coming up. You know we've got the likes of Arsenal, uh, Manchester United, Everton coming up. So if he can perform the way that he did against Liverpool in those games, I I would be happy with those performances. One thing I would like to point out though is the fact that he was subbed off over Trezeguet for for Indiana Vasilev. Well, no, Indiana Versalev, um replaced Trezeguet. Sorry, it was it was Jota that replaced Algarve, and I would have thought that that Trezeguet should have come off earlier. Um, I thought that Trezeguet was having much worse of a game although he did look lively there was just no end product to his game
1: yeah that confused me whenever they they drug El Ghazi off the pitch um, and Trezeguet like there were I mean there it was minor instances but there were instances that he was tracking back and that that's been a criticism from from me uh, upon Trezeguet for the entire season I just think that he's he's I, I mean, I'll say it. He's, he's pretty woeful defensively. Um, and, you know, we're going up a Liverpool side that maybe is suffering from the champions' hangover and, and maybe didn't have their best game. And yeah, they probably were there for the taking. So I expect a little bit more from Trezeguet going forward. We didn't see that. So to see, you know, Vasilev not get a chance on the left hand side with Anwar Algazi, and I'm not saying that they would have fed off each other. They're on, you know, basically opposite sides of the pitch but you know you never know what can happen when you get some of the rawness of, of an indiana Vass 11 there you know he is still 19 he's still very raw you know even as an american i'm not saying that he's going to be the savior for aston villa but i'd like to see him get a chance you know we, we saw some of the raw determination when he was employed as a striker during an injury crisis in january um you know and i don't i don't think that dean would put him just you know straight up top i, I think he does fancy indy better on the wings. I, I just, I don't know where it comes from to where you, you pull Algazi off. I don't, I, and not to say that Dean Smith was watching a different game than me. I, I'm sure he had his reasons for wanting to do that. But I just think that Trez wasn't really, he wasn't pitching in offensively in any which way. Um, and when he was, it was crosses were going wild or, you know, he, he was, he wasn't releasing the ball fast enough. He was, he was getting collapsed upon, you know, Liverpool still were good players, regardless of how they played against Villa. That's still very talented football savvy players in that side, obviously. So, you know, it, it just wasn't his day. And he wasn't getting anything done, but yeah, the El Ghazi coming off the pitch for Trezeguet—that that was a—that was a beard scratcher for me.
0: On the subject of El Ghazi, though, there was there was a pretty minor um, event in the game that that would have brought a bit of joy to to Villa fans. I know I was quite happy with it, um, and it was when Andy Robertson was booked in the twentieth minute. You know, there was a bit of skillful passing between El Ghazi and Douglas Luiz. where they almost like replicated each other's um, drag back and back heel Kind of pass. Um, You know, it it let. Douglas Luis free and, and saw the Brazilian looking to break but obviously Robertson uh, left a trailing leg which saw Louise hit the floor you know as as I said it was a pretty minor moment in the game but you've got to agree it was it was pretty uh pretty cool to watch
1: yeah I love seeing little pieces of skill like this um, you know it kind of reminds me of like freestyler football flatland football kind of thing where you're just doing tricks and manipulating the ball certain ways I love stuff like that and I have for years so to see something like this come off in a game a little one two back heel you know you're coming going out of bounds and then back in you know I just, I love that. I love to see that. And yeah, it didn't have any impact on the game whatsoever. I don't think either of us are going to try to claim that one, but it was was cool to see that little bit of individualistic flair between two players that, you know, knew they, they probably had to get themselves out of a a situation and they did it. And, you know, Andy Robertson definitely looked like he did not appreciate that happening to his club. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I I thought it was pretty cool. It's like almost kind of draws back to like a FIFA street kind of thing, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. You know, there is a time and a place for it, and in in those kind of areas, we've seen El Ghazi do things like that, like bringing it back to West Brom, um, last season at the Hawthorns again. You know, he he was surrounded by three players and managed to uh, skill his way through it. If you if you would, um, but. Let's let's return back to Douglas Louise. Douglas Louise had the the first major shot of the game, and that came in the thirty second minute. And I think this is why this is why Villa fans were so hopeful. Um, you know, after after half time, you know, we'd limited Liverpool for. For you know, thirty-two minutes up to this point, um, and we were the ones almost having the better chances. Uh, the The ball fell to Douglas Luiz just inside the Liverpool Liverpool box, and the Brazilian struck it directly at Alisson on the half volley. And obviously, we've seen what Luiz can do when he's presented a chance to shoot. Um, but at the same time, I don't think this was like a chance wasted. It was worthwhile getting the the shot off on goal. Um, you know, there's there's only, you know. The slightest chance that, that Allison might make a mistake and then you've got Davis through or you've got Grealish through or Trezeguet or Algarza, you know, there's always the chance that he spills that shot. So I think it was the right decision for Louise to take that shot, but I think he could have possibly had a better connection or, or perhaps aimed it at a different area of the net.
1: Yeah, I I don't know, man. Like this was a little frustrating for me only because... I honestly believe if you give and and he he might even admit this himself if he's ever asked about it if you give Douglas Louise five chances that that exact same you know happenstance of a game the exact same situation even on like a half volley type situation I think he scores four out of the five. I really do believe that. So to see him blast it right at Allison, and yeah, he could have spilled it or this and that—all situational, kind of hypothetical things. But like, I wanted him to score that goal so bad. Like, my heart hasn't sunk like that seeing like how it came off his off his boot and then hit and Allison like safely has it. I'm just like, man, you give him four more shots at that. He's burying all four in the different areas of the net. I don't know. Like, I really rate Louise a lot. Like, not only for his defensive capabilities we've seen since Project Restart, but also like his shooting ability. We've seen him be able to do some. Some really really amazing things when when the space is you know afforded to him. So like in that I was just like that was the chance, man. And I just sat I just sat here with my head in my hand. It was just like that was the chance. Like that, that was such a big big moment. But I mean, it is it is what it is. But that was definitely when I look back for in this game and be like, man, if we if we scored that one, you just you start hoping that a little bit more, don't you?
0: Absolutely. And halftime seemed to take an age to come. You know, there was it was one of those periods where there was you know, five minutes remaining in the half, and you could just feel that something might happen and you would think that it would go Liverpool's way just based off how Villa have been playing this season. But, you know, at the 45-minute mark, Aston Villa found themselves with the Premier League Championships, uh, Premier League Championships, level with the Premier League Champions, and, you know, it was a pretty a resolute defensive display and it was seen Liverpool struggle to make any real chances for me Villa looked the best that they've looked since the the restart um you know we haven't looked overly bad yes we've conceded a few goals but we look much better than we did before lockdown um and i just think we need that pinch of luck you know we need a deflected goal. How many goals have we conceded this season, by the way? That have took a deflection off Tyro Mings or Courtney Hawes or Edry Concer? You know, where are our goals that are deflecting off their players? And I think we need a pinch of that look in our in our remaining games. You know, um, in the first half, El Ghazi, Louise definitely standouts for Villa. Um, and at times, uh, Liverpool looked like they had no real answer for for how well uh, organised Villa's defence was.
1: Yeah, if you actually look back like even even though like Villa aren't in a good place right now and no no one's going to try to defend that and they do only have themselves to blame. But if you look at some of the results that we had earlier on in the season even as far back of like November. Um you know that that 2-1 loss to Liverpool on November 2nd isn't great. Um you know, but if you even look at how the how our defense is structured now compared to then and you do have a little bit of different players coming in and out. Um but, like, it's way more organized to me. Like, I don't – I'm not having that, like, heart sinking in my feeling whenever teams are getting into our final third. And, it, yeah, it might be a little bit more often. Like, we're not getting blown away. Ezri Contz is looking really, really decent at right back. I know that splits opinion a little bit. But, you know, I know that that's not his natural position. I know you have El Mohamedy on the bench. I know Gilbert's coming back from a knock. But, like, he's, he's not doing badly. He did really well against Liverpool. And, that, you know, regardless of their hangover, or whatever you want to call it, you know, maybe they're just bored out there. You know, he didn't look – terrible against some top top talent of Liverpool at at that right back position so I, I think the defense is incredibly more structured and Dean Smith has said that himself that he believes that you know just better as a team as a cohesive unit they're doing a lot better the time afforded off help them with that it's just it's it's Right now, the prom at Aston Villa isn't the defense. It's more about putting the ball in the back of the net. And they have to, like you said, get lucky, get a bounce, get a VAR decision you know, for them. Something's got to happen to kind of break this duck a little bit because you're not going to stay in the Premier League if you can't score goals. And at the moment, it's you know without signing too doom and gloom, you don't know where your next goal's coming from.
0: I'll tell you something on the subject of defense. Courtney Hawes has his, his very obvious downfalls, but... There are three points I want to make about him. Since the restart, he's been our biggest goal threat by far. He wins every single header from, from a free kick or a corner. Uh, if only he could just get him more on target. Obviously, he scored against, uh, against Chelsea. But as well, in the top five leagues, he is the standout player for aerial duels won per 90 and recoveries per 90. Literally I've got a I've got a chart up in front of me. You've got the likes of open Operamakano, um Kurt Zuma, uh, Tarkovsky, Maguire, Van Dyke, and Courtney Hawes has won the most aerial duels and has the most recoveries. Like literally, all these players are kind of grouped together and horses way off in the distance on the far right like he he is unreal at what he excels at and he just needs to get better at the little things the little haphazards in his play and he will be an unreal centre-back um you know we saw this in his partnership when he was covering for um Twan Zaby last season but he does look absolutely great when you know he's tasked with with heading the ball especially
1: yeah he's been putting himself in the great positions to be able to get his head on the ball like you said the accuracy is pretty much the only thing that 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 hasn't really come together for him And you can't knock him for that. because he's still getting up he's still winning narrow headers in the case of courtney haas a lot a lot of people aren't understanding his natural center back position is on the left hand side um tyron mings exists so he's now playing at right center back so if if, it's just uh, it's it seems like it shouldn't be that big of a deal. It, that's a big deal when you're a professional footballer and you've always played in this certain position. Now you're thrown into a different a different position and being having things asked to you in a different way. Dominant foot, weaker foot, things like that—that that matters. I think Courtney Horse has done some some really really nice things since Project Restart. Um, I don't know if he's going to be ever revered because Tyra Ming stands next to him and we see Tyra Ming's being the leader, doing the pointing, doing the shouting, doing the organizational stuff. But I mean, if, if you want to we'll talk about you know someone who's maybe a little bit underappreciated, you know Villa haven't got blown away by any teams, even like against Chelsea where we were, you know, never on the ball basically, you know, and didn't have any possession. You know, we still didn't get battered in that game so i i think that you know it's a it's still a bend but don't break the fence back there for villa but you know you have to give credit where credit's due i think courtney horse has played damn, damn pretty damn well since since the restart I, I saw him getting a lot of heat on on twitter the past couple of games and I, I don't understand it i i honestly think he's one of the players have actually like bought in and want, wants to do well for this club even in a dark time
0: another player as well and he's become a bit of a you know a bit of a scapegoat in the past um, and that's that's Neil Taylor. I thought he performed incredibly well against Liverpool, especially in the early, uh, the the first half. He didn't cover himself in in glory uh, at some stages in the game, but you know I think Neil Taylor has been an excellent servant for the club. Whatever you think of him as a footballer, you know um, he has filled in at various stages this season with with Matt Target's injuries. Um, but I do think Taylor has has you know he's not going to be remembered remembered overly fondly when he does leave the club. But I think he's he's earned the right to be remembered as as you know a, a good Villa player. You know he's not necessarily going to fit into you know a, an all time XI or anything like that. But you know he he's definitely worthy of of mentioning in in the same as other players. You know perhaps. Um, Perhaps like you know, someone might mention uh, Collins, the centre back. You know, I think Taylor deserves that kind of same standing.
1: I mean, I didn't have a problem with Neil Taylor coming in. I was worried when when Matt Target goes out, and I know that Target's not even everybody's cup of tea. Um, you know, they're just two vastly different left backs in the modern game. Um, you know, Neil Taylor, and we've we've said this on previous podcasts. I, at least I know I've said it to where you know he's not he's not exactly the most modern fullback you've ever seen. He does have problems getting forward. Now, I don't, I don't think that has anything to do with his skill. Um, I don't think it has anything to do with him not wanting to be involved in the play. But, like, he didn't really do much wrong against Liverpool. Almost to the fact that, like, you didn't hear his name much. And, I, you know, sometimes that's the best compliment you can give a defender is when you're not calling their name very often. Um, and, and it was it was actually kind of... Um, I don't want to say funny, but I want to say it was kind of humorous. There were patterns of the play against Liverpool where he was making overlaps and he was trying to get himself involved and I, I like to see that out of Neil. I, I, I think that, you know, I, I'm sure Neil Taylor's a, a great, great guy and everything and he has, you know, when called upon he's come in and, and done a job. Sometimes it's, it's come off for him, sometimes it hasn't. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, he, he steps up when he has to and, you know, again you're, you're playing Liverpool, you know, everything before this game, if you ask most Villa supporters, they thought we were going to get beat five or and it was going to be another one of those days at the office and you know he he did really really well on his side of the pitch and I you know I got I got to tip my hat to him.
0: Something I do want to point out though is that you know when we were winning games especially before uh, the halting of the season a lot of uh, talk was aimed at the 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 connection between Jack Grealish and uh, Matt Target and that kind of duo on the left-hand side. Now I've noticed I noticed it against Liverpool, and I know a few other people have noticed it as well. But like Grealish, when he finds himself on that side of the pitch, seems to have a reluctance to pass the ball to Taylor, even though he finds himself in, you know, an attacking position or a position where he could get a cross in. Whether that's because he knows that that Taylor doesn't have the best ball into the box, or whether he knows that you know Taylor will struggle to beat his man, I don't know. But there seems to be a, like a real reluctance to use Neil Taylor in an attacking outlet, and and I think that kind of um, dulls the dy- dynamism of our play a bit
1: no i, I actually noticed it man like uh, something i've been doing since project restart whenever i i'm able to uh you know watch the game on my pc i'll put my headphones on and i'll actually you know com- like it's it's terrible for my ears and i get it but i turn the volume up almost to an unbearable volume because i want to hear the chatter on the pitch because i'm not in england i don't have the um the choice of like crowd noise no crowd noise you know Things like that. So, like, I'm, I'm listening to the commentaries and really loud, but I'm also listening to see the stuff on the pitch. I wish I would have wrote down what minute it was. But Jack Grealish gets the ball in, in the the left hand side of the the pitch, and you see Neil Taylor start to make an overlapping run. Now, there's probably about a good 15 yards between Grealish and any other opposition player for Liverpool, and you can audibly hear, and I was able to see Neil Taylor say, "Jack, Jack, Jack," just like that, three sharp times. And Jack turned his head, looked to the left, saw Neil Taylor, and then immediately. Jack Grealish with the ball at his feet starts running toward the middle of the pitch. He didn't care that Neil Taylor was there. He didn't care that he was open. He didn't care about it at all. I just think that it, it, there's some kind of trust there that maybe he knows that, like, nothing's going to happen from Neil Taylor in an offensive standpoint. I'm not saying it's right or wrong on Jack's half, but that that instance definitely happened. I wish I would have wrote down what time it was. But, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if that's a, a Matt Target-Jack Grealish thing of, you know, trusting each other. I'm not sure if that's a Neil Taylor, you know, not showing any kind of uh, – you know, success in the past of trying to cross balls into the box. But like I-, I love hearing the chatter on the pitch, man. That's one thing about, you know, no supporters in the stands. I know it's it's terrible for a lot of reasons, but one positive that I'm drawn from it is, is the chatter on the pitch.
0: Yeah, I think I think, you know, you can really tell as well when a player is kind of uh, going a bit overboard with with a foul um i noticed uh i think it was douglas louise and robertson had a clash early on in the first half and you know robertson just wails you know the top of his lungs and you're like really come on like it it wasn't that bad of a challenge um so, you can kind of tell when a player's milking it. And for me, that that's something to look out for going forward. You know, if I was a referee, and obviously you'll, you'll hear it generally as a referee, but you'll hear it more so now without the, the crowd. Um, you know, if, if I'm a referee and I hear Robertson do that, you know, I'm thinking in the back of my head, mm, is he likely to, you know, go down a bit easy? Or, you know, it's the same as like Salah. Salah Salah's a very audible uh, foulie. And you know he he had a dive in the box during this game. So for me, you know, if I've if I've seen Salah befold a couple of times, and you know he's screaming, I'm thinking as a referee, okay, maybe you know I'm not going to give it him if he if he gets pulled down in the box or something.
1: Yeah, and I I don't I don't mean to be a little brash here, but that that dive from from. Salah was despicable to me I don't I don't I know that that's like kind of a part of his game that comes with the kind of player he is but I don't know man that's that you, you can't defend that you can't defend that kind of action on the pitch I, I thought it was, it was pretty disrespectful to what, what's Mohamed Salah doing trying to dive in the box against Aston Villa trying to fight for their life you have any respect for yourself you know what I mean like come on man like I get it you want to you win the game like anybody else but like you don't have to do it that way he's got so much skill you don't need to do it that way
0: Early on in the second half, Villa had another strong chance in the 50th minute as Trezeguet found Jack Grealish in space, who turned and fired with his left foot and forced Alisson into a strong, rooted save with his right hand. Unfortunately for Villa, the whistle blew for offside once the keeper had made the save, otherwise we'd have had a corner, but, you know, it, it was a positive... Play, and then a minute later, there was another chance for Villa as we broke on the counter attack with Jack Grealish, who played Ghazi through, um, and Ghazi had a shot, forcing Alisson to palm his shot wide. You know, Villa were having the chances against this Liverpool side, and Liverpool looked like they were there for the taking in 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 segments of this game. You know, there were there were periods of this half and the first half that were making me quite optimistic that we maybe we're going to sneak a point out of this at the very the very least. You know, we're so deep in the woods of a relegation scrap, we need to be taking advantage of these kind of chances.
1: Yeah, that's what I was that's what I was talking about earlier, man. Like you, you see the chances that have happened through different uh different patterns of the game, different times, and like it's just like, man, if we could just get one of th- these, like I'm not asking for all you know, I'm not asking for every single shot on target for Aston Villa to hit the back of the net. I know that that's crazy. But I think that shows like how desperate for goals we are right now. That like I'm I'm thinking to myself when Jack Grealish takes a shot on, on net and the keeper even saves it and it's called offsides, I'm getting excited about that. I'm I'm like literally actually clapping my hands and be like, All right boys, let's go. You know, you you shown you can get there. You just gotta put it away. Like, come on, let's go. Like, I'm get. Like, I'm getting myself fired up even now just thinking about it because it was such. It's such a positive thing, and, and like that's the level of, of desperation where we're at as Aston Villa supporters right now. That, that like people are getting excited about things like that, and like it just you, you gotta you gotta take these chances, man. There come, comes a point where you gotta grab the bull by the horns, and, and you just have to take those chances. It was a nice counter attack and everything. You know, you're talking about with Al Ghazi's shot, but man, like if we can get, I'm telling you just like, give me, give me one, one goal. In a game like this against a team like Liverpool, who's obviously having a bad day at the office, I mean, there's players that are even on the pitch for Liverpool that didn't look like anything like we've seen this year. Like, Naby Keita had a terrible game, did not look like himself. You know, the midfield should have capitalized that a little bit better. And, you know, for for most times they did. John McGinn finally looking like the John McGinn that we remember coming off his injury. But, yeah, you got to start taking these chances. or You know, that trapdoor is just going to get wider and wider and wider over the next five games.
0: But you mentioned that, you know, Liverpool perhaps didn't look themselves and partly this was down to the fact that they they had, you know, three exceptionally good players on the bench and the 60-minute mark saw Liverpool make a triple substitution to bring these players into play. You know, Firmino, Wijnaldum and their captain Jordan Henderson came off the bench for Oxlade-Chamberlain, Origi and Fabinho and this is where the bell started to toll, really, for Villa. You know, 11 minutes later and, you know, Liverpool were 1-0 up you know Sadio Mane broke the deadlock as Cater found himself with a wealth of space and as you said Cater was, wasn't having the best game but he picked out an inch perfect pass to uh to a central position for Mane to smash it onto the bar and into the back of the net and you know uh, as we mentioned Neil didn't necessarily cover himself in glory but he did have a very good game he should have been marking Mane a little bit tighter but he, got neither, he, he didn't have any favours from either of his centre-backs for the goal either
1: yeah i think it was a fall asleep moment i think it was uh three defensive players just happened to fall asleep at the same time for aston villa and you know it's it's, again neil taylor i thought had a fabulous game i thought that was you know one of the better neil taylor performances we're going to see but i just want a little bit tighter marking but i get it maybe he thought the center back was you know mings is in the middle of zonal marking at that point in time and you know they were slid over it was only about like maybe Three three yards or so, maybe th- four yards, and then Neil Taylor just—he doesn't have enough time to react because Monday's just quick and ha- and has agility for days. So yeah, I I don't know. It's just I think everyone fell asleep at the same time. You know, you get these subs on the pitch. Like, you can't compare the quality of what was coming off the bench for Liverpool to what was the what could have come off the bench for Aston Villa. It's just, it's two totally different things. It's like comparing an apple to a to a Lamborghini. Like, there, there's just no, there, there's no comparison there. So, you know, it's a tough thing. Dean Smith talked about how he doesn't like the five subs rule and he feels it favors the bigger clubs, the more bankrolled clubs. I, you know, I can't argue with him. But, you know, even if you only had three subs and those are the three subs that come on, you know, that's you're, you're, you're still you're still in a little bit of trouble there.
0: Well, I saw something earlier today and it, it was basically saying that Liverpool subs that they brought on were, you know, close to 100 millions worth of transfer fees. Um and then Villas were like 12 millions. So obviously they they brought on Indiana Vasilev who who is, you know, came through the youth at the club. But, you know, that's that's completely on the money for Dean Smith really that it does favor the bigger clubs because they have the wealth to have such, you know, exceptional benches. Um, but after Mane's goal, Villa's attacking intent kind of took a bit of a nosedive. Um, you know, as the game edged into its final 15 minutes, we saw Villa substitutions. Anwar, who was having the strongest game, for me anyway, was replaced by Jota. Uh, and Keenan Davis, who, who was giving Van Dijk a, a run for his money at times, uh, was replaced by Ali Mata. And for me, this that sort of isn't working at the moment. The the Keenan for Ali. Granted, Keenan gets gassed quite easily, but Samata hasn't done anything since since Project Restart. He looks bereft of confidence.
1: Yeah, and I I don't I don't know about Samata, man. Like I I feel like we still haven't seen him have his like a like a really, really good game in an Aston Villa shirt I I don't know like I I don't know what to make of it because you know we 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 can you know me and you together we can can do all the scouting we can from you know just me and you looking up things and it's not just YouTube videos we can break down all the statistics how he was in previous years what positions he scored his goals in, all these kind of things and me and you were like yeah this this kind of seems like this could work you know bringing in an an Ali Samad and, and we talked about him you know last summer before he was obviously ever even in the door as being a potential target for Aston Villa so like I don't I don't know if it's confidence I don't know if he's like I can't Believe I joined the side, and I'm going to take the drop in my first half season here. Like I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure really what to think about it. I, I hope he, he gets off the mark sooner than later. But we're, we're running out of time here very quickly, and I don't know if. I don't know if Keenan Davis coming off the pitch. I mean, who who do you put up front then? I mean, do you give Vasilev a chance, a striker? I, I Like I said before, I think he's better in a wing capacity than he is up top. But I don't know. I mean, I, I get it. Dean Smith can only work with the tools that have been given to him. And I, I think that he got let down with that in the summer as well. Um, You know, you can ask Picasso to paint you a picture all you want, but, you know, if you, you break all his paintbrushes beforehand, it's probably not going to be the best picture he can paint. So I think it, it's a difficult thing right now as far as selection. It's a difficult thing for, for Keenan Davis and Samada. But like I said, we, we got to find a way to get goals from somewhere. I don't care if they're ugly goals. I don't care if they're, you know, world-class goals. You just got to find a way over that line.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the final 10 minutes of the game saw two youngsters enter the field of play. Uh, Nabi Keita was replaced by Curtis Jones and Trezguet was replaced by Indiana Vasilev. Both of them wanted to make an impact, but it was Liverpool sub that had the kind of final blow. The 88th minute, the ball fell to him in the box during a Liverpool attack and uh, Curtis Jones poked into the bottom left past Pepe Arena. It looked to take a bit of a deflection and obviously that's that's, uh, something we mentioned earlier in the podcast. They may have deflected goals that we concede. But For me, the effort was there in this game, but the result was lacking. But if we can play the way that we played against Liverpool, or perhaps even better, hopefully, this gives me some promise for our remaining six games.
1: Yeah, I I have no problem with with the level of effort. I'd like to see it just ramped up just a little bit more. It doesn't have to be amazing amounts of, you know, I'm not asking them to all of a sudden, you know, get crazy amounts of stamina or anything like that but like just show me some effort show me some give a crap is is basically what i'm trying to say and i think they did they at least started the show shades of that against Liverpool, so you know you give that against United, man. In like there, there's so many variables that comes with United. We know how good United are right now. We you, we know you know Mason Greenwood's playing out of his mind. We we know that Paul Pogba and Bruno Fernandez, you know, seem to have this you know wonderful partnership you know in the middle of the pitch. And I mean Marcus Rashford's still on that team. Like who do you, who do you expose if you're looking at the defenders for United? Who do you try to you know go after? There's there's so many questions and variables about it. But Villa's got to Villa's got to do the sales favors you know it might be one of the things you can't really worry much about what they're doing you got to worry about what you're doing a little bit more so that, that's what I want to see from Villa give give me give me a good effort give me good determination don't get overrun don't lose 4-0 and you know any, anything any point that's picked up here whether it's one or three that's a massive massive bonus for us staying up in this league
0: I absolutely agree. Uh away from the game a little bit, Graham Soonis has ruffled a few uh and Blue Feathers, criticising Jack Grealish and claiming that he's not impressed with the Villa Captain. Obviously we know that Souness loves to say controversial things, but, you know, with a pinch of salt, most are totally unfounded or ultimately just his opinions. Um you know, what did you make of Souness' comments? Do you think he was speaking off the cuff, or is this an example of a pundit who has kind of a bit of an outdated view of modern-day football?
1: For me personally, I think it's a little bit split right down the middle. Um, we we know what Souness is about, and we, we know what kind of player he was. We know what kind of manager he was. Like The the man's hard-nosed, and he doesn't like, you know, it, not to say he doesn't like, it just seems like he doesn't completely fully understand the modern footballer, which to me... Things that maybe he just doesn't quite understand. I'm, he he. Listen, legend, le- absolute legend. But I think that just the modern side of the game, the how it's played now, just kind of eludes him a little bit from how it used to be played in his day. That's not a knock on him. I, I have. Uh, Unlimited amounts of respect for the man. I just think that he doesn't understand the role that Jack Grealish plays, not only as an Aston Villa player, but just as a football player in general, with the amount of times he's fouled. It doesn't mean that he's not releasing the ball fast enough. It, it means he's, he's trying, you know, he sees a pass more, you know, sooner than most that I see play this game, especially in the role that he played, that Grealish plays it in. So I don't know, man. Did you think this was just a dig for the, the, the sake of a dig, or do you think that, like, he's on to something? Or, like, I, I didn't, I, w- I was kind of shocked. Like, the game wasn't even kicked off yet. Like, this was like, like 10 minutes before kickoff and he's sitting there just Jack saying he doesn't doesn't understand that the draw and all that kind of thing
0: it was one of those things that you know he's probably been he's probably saying it to get the retweets kind of thing it's one of those controversial things that you'll say and you know you'll get a load of retweets you'll get a load of attention for whichever broadcasters broadcasting the, the game but you know Jack used Twitter to show a graphic plainly showing the only person to fashion more chances in the Premier League this season than him was uh, Kevin De Bruyne. And, you know, you've got Tim Sherwood standing up for Grealish on TalkSport as well, saying Soonis wouldn't have liked to play against him. Um, you know, obviously, it's a former manager backing him up, but, you know, you've you've got to give Grealish his dues for what he does. Whilst I don't think he has looked as good as he, as he should be, Should be looking um, since Project Restart. You know, he's still the absolute talisman of this Aston Villa side.
1: Yeah, and it's not only this season either, man. I mean, that that's I think that's what Zunas has to understand that like you know there there was a period of time there that Jack Grealish, I mean that's that's all we that's all we really had as far as a, a creative type player. Um, yeah, I I don't know maybe he he just sees the game different. Maybe, you know, I I was reading a lot of stuff on Twitter about this when it happened and people were saying, oh, we well, you know Grealish getting fouled a lot, but what does he really give? He probably you know for the uh, the amount of respect and amount of. Care that people are putting in the Jack Grealish for England, um, you know, shouldn't he be scoring more goals? Shouldn't he be doing this or that? And then you talk about the amount of key chances he makes and or key passes rather, and you know, it, it's it's a it's a complete crazy thing to think about, but like you know i i do still think that jack grealish will play for for a top side uh, i'm i'm very sad to say that it, pr- it probably won't be aston villa and it's not me trying to you know be controversial or anything in saying that i just think that he he deserves to be you know playing for for trophies and accolades in england i, I don't think that you know playing just to stay in the premier league is is on the level that jack grealish is as a footballer presently
0: in these last couple of games do you think that grealish should be given you know, the the best five games that we, we could possibly see in a Villa shirt from him? Or or do you think, you know, he's going to struggle to to try and keep us in the league?
1: I, I try to see it from both sides. I, I think with, with Jackie, it's going to be tough for him because at one point in time, he's probably going to want to do the very best that he can. And on the other side of that, I think it's starting to sink in that he this team could get relegated. So you have the responsibility of being the captain. And then on the other hand, you have the responsibility of it's your boyhood club. You're a supporter. You love this club. He said it you know, thousands of times how much he cares about this club. So I think it's a little bit of both playing against Jack Grealish right now. So I, I think it's tough. He might just be trying to do too much. He might be putting too much responsibility on his own, own shoulders, which isn't bad for a captain. But you know, that, that might be the curse of being a captain of your, of your favorite football club. That you support is is that like when the pressure really really turns up, you know, are you are you going to be able to think you have to do it yourself, or are you going to you know trust your teammates? And to to be quite honest, the the quality of his teammates right now are not very good um at least not compared to the level we've seen from him so i think it's a tough thing for jack man like what, what do you think do you think that you know he's gonna we're gonna get the five games out of him where he just goes gung-ho and goes off i mean that would be lovely to see that would that would be a hell of a send-off for him if he, if he does end up exiting but i don't know You're, you, you think he's gonna be better since since we've seen from the restart
0: i would hope that if we are losing him that that we get these five you know outstanding games from him um to conclude the season, whether that keeps us up or not is another question. But, you know, if if we're not going to see him in a Villa shirt next season, I think, you know, I would like my most recent memories of, you know, my captain. You know, th- this is like the, the first player I've properly watched go through the academy and turn into this absolute, you know, outstanding player. You know, you've got the likes of the early 2000s mid 2000s players that that did the same but I was I was young then and this is that the, I've been able to like see this and process this with an with an adult brain and you know I would like the last memories I have of him in a, in a Villa shirt if they are to be to be outstanding
1: yeah, I mean, I'm I'm right there with you, man. Like you got to remember, like my my Villa age isn't up there in, in terms of years. Like it's it's been a long time. I think I'm going into the thirteenth or fourteenth season this coming season. But that basically makes me a thirteen or fourteen year old. You know, that's what I tell people when they talk to me about you know, Villa players from yesterday and stuff. I was like, well, you got you got to understand, man. Like I I didn't get to see that. Like I, I wasn't I wasn't around for that. You know, Jack Grealish is Aston Villa than me. And Jack, you know, even when he leaves, he, it, there's still going to be a part of me that believes that he's the best player I've seen in a Villa shirt, um, and that, that, that's that's not a knock on anybody that played for villa previously but like this this is a big deal for me personally um i love seeing him play love his talent level um not very happy about some of his off the pitch stuff as i've talked about before but hey we're all human we all make mistakes um the important thing is to own up to that mistake and you know try to make sure that something like that doesn't happen again um but yeah i i love jack man i think he does wonderful things you know for for the community i think he does you know wonderful things for acorns and all that kind of stuff and you know different different um you know things for children and charity work and stuff. So like we lose, it. we're losing a good person if, if he does if he does want to go. But um, yeah, as far as a player standpoint, that like, I'm I'm right there with you. That like that, that was the first player I seen come through the academy and make a like a giant giant impact that had some you know positive things uh, for the club. It's, it's just it's going to be sad to see when he goes.
0: Now on youth players making positive impacts for their clubs. Let's turn our attentions to Manchester United. We seem to be coming up against them at the worst possible time. You know, they look red hard at the moment. Um, You know, Greenwood looks in form. Rashford looks in form. Pogba's back. Bruno Fernandes looks an exceptional signing. Can Villa get anything from this game at all? Or is it going to be another fruitful performance with no results to show for it? Is it too tall of an order for Aston Villa's defence to you know, try and keep a clean sheet or what, what do you think is going to happen in this game?
1: Man, like I've, I've watched the past couple United games and I I don't, again, you don't know where the goal's coming with from Villa. Um, I hope we can pull a shock win. I'm just like anybody else, man. Like I'm not, I'm not being too, too down about it. I, you know, I always, until we're mathematically done, I'm not going to get out of control with the doom and gloom stuff. But um, I, I hope we can find a way to win. But man, my, my heart's telling me like a two nil loss. I, I don't know. I think that Villa or that uh, United, rather, just they're they're on a totally different level. You know, all the the joking about United and everything, and they they can't do this or they can't do that. Like they've proven since the restart that they're you know a, a better team, and you know they're they're playing. But I mean, there are there are you know kinks in the armor a little bit here like there's you know Harry Maguire hasn't looked great Luke Shaw doesn't look great he 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 loves to get beaten on an overlap sometimes even an underlap so I don't know I think I think it's going to be more to do with how Villa approached this game than how United approached this game um so I I just like I said I hope we see the same kind of intensity level the same kind of desire to you know get forward even if it is on the counter but I mean what what do you think do you think this is going to be like a you know terrible five nil six nil loss or are you still reserving a little bit of hope
0: I think we've got one heavy loss left in us this season, and I think it's going to come against Man United. I hope it's not too heavy of a loss, but I think Bruno is going to have a field day against us. Um, which, you know, is, is terrible for my, my you know, the team of support, but absolutely sublime for my fantasy Premier League team, because he's my captain. <laughs> um, but, you know, I I hope that we can get a point, or three points from this, and I hope we can all surprise ourselves, but the way that united you know, are playing at the moment I, I i can't really see it
1: yeah and that's the thing about you know bruno fernandes too like he just he sprays passes around from all different types of areas and you know he he plays a very very unique style of midfielder from what we've seen because he can pop up in any area and still be able to get a pass to somebody you know he runs hard he has stamina so I I don't know that that uh that partnership that he's got with Pogba that little bit of chemistry we're seeing already that's that's a dangerous dangerous thing um so yeah again against a team like Villa I'm not expecting us to get anything but man you even we even find a way to draw this thing I want to be over the moon
0: now, as we bring this podcast to an end, I'm gonna ask you a question and I want a one-word answer to it. Can Aston Villa stay up this season?
1: No, I don't think they will.
0: And that's where we'll end this podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I can I can go on about it. I just I think it's it's too little, too late, not enough goals. Um West Ham starting to pull away. Uh Watford have a, a somewhat easy run-in. It's, it's not doom and gloom thing, man. I think it's just you put yourself in a position, injuries didn't, didn't do great for you, recruitment wasn't well for you, you're looking for players that you brought in to be big-game players, and they've kind of showed the opposite. I'm staying positive. If, if they surprise me, great. Really, really happy about it. But, I mean, I mean, you can't end it like that, man. What do you think? I, w- I want to hear what you think.
0: <laughs> um, well, as we've seen, anything can happen in football. We didn't expect to go on a 10-game winning run last season and get promoted in the first place. But I, I'm resigned to the fact that we are probably down. But, you know, it is what it is. Anything can happen. I can come out with as many different phrases as you want to suit whoever's agenda is listening to this. But at the end of the day, it's Aston Villa. And Aston Villa is eternal. So regardless of what uh, league we're in, regardless of which players are pulling on the, the shirt, you know, we're going to support them and we're sure that you are too.
1: Yeah damn right man I I can't agree with that statement anymore I'm I'm not going anywhere I I sat through the last relegation I, if if it happens again so be it I'm I'm still going to watch the team I'm still going to support I'm still going to talk to people from all over the world you know even even when it's gloomy you know there's there's still something to talk about so man, up the villa I'm, I'm I'm ready for the ride man let's see what we can do with a couple games left here
0: Absolutely. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to let us know via social media or give us a review on whatever platform you're listening on. You can follow us on Twitter at Villa Lamp, on Facebook forward slash Under a Gaslit Lamp, and on Instagram at Under a Gaslit Lamp. Thanks for listening, guys, and up the villa.